First Peter chapter one, verses three through nine. First Peter one, three through nine. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Please keep that page open in your Bible while I introduce the sermon for this morning. The sermon series this year is What a Difference It Makes in Your Life When You Just Use the Bible. That's one of the messages we need to have in our lives and it's one of the messages we need to get out from this building into the community, out to our friends and neighbors and co-workers. But first, the truth must be alive in us. If we are not excited about heaven, if we are not convinced, if hope is lacking, if heaven doesn't hold all to me, and to you. Not only are we missing out, we will never have sufficient motive to speak to others of this eternal destination, nor will we have sufficient motive to live as we should day after day in Jesus Christ. See, there is something for us after we leave this earthly life. What a difference it makes when you read the Bible and when you live according to our purpose and when we hold tightly to this hope, Peter says, received, reserved in heaven for you. I had this experience back in 1994 on a preaching trip with Reuben Amador in the Caribbean on the Grand Cayman Island. 
The church there was made up mostly of British or Jamaicans, a few Americans who worked on the island, but mostly British and Jamaicans. The song leader was a very dynamic brother, and most of the songs were of Jamaican heritage. And that means very simple songs, very easy to learn and to sing. <laughs> and one of them, I learned while I was there, had these very simple lyrics. There is heaven, there is hell. Pick your choice. Now, that's the kind of statement you don't have to study about a whole lot. It doesn't call for any kind of in-depth analysis or commentary. It says what the Bible says, that there is heaven and there is hell, and we have a choice to make about where we will spend eternity. And I hope each of us have made that choice, and, and that right now and going forward, we are living in keeping with that choice and filled with the joy that Peter wrote about in this passage. He said, in this you rejoice. If I didn't know what would happen after I die, I wouldn't rejoice as I look forward to death. If I had the annoying thought that I might be sent to eternal punishment, there would certainly be no joy in that. If I didn't have any idea what would happen at death, if I had no concept of God's judgment of my life, no hope, no assurance, there would be no joy. But Peter says here, there is a living hope that can be ours through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's going to be my starting place. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, make that connection. Our hope of heaven is tied to this historical fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want us to think about that. When Jesus was raised from the dead, can you imagine the trending conversations in and around Jerusalem? as the news spread. Somebody might say, did you hear what happened? There were these three men who hung on a cross outside the city and the report is that one of them came back to life. There are witnesses. Somebody says, where is the body? The tomb is empty. See, this was not a regular occurrence. Not a regular occurrence. 
This didn't happen every day. But it was not just another event in Bible history. What does it have to do with us? Here's a follow-up question. Would there be the offer of salvation without the resurrection of Christ? So many passages in the New Testament make specific connections between our salvation and His resurrection. And this passage in 1 Peter affirms, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's eternal plan called for Jesus to arrive on the earth, to live a spotless life on the earth, to give his life, and to be raised from the dead. There would be no plan without this part of the plan, his resurrection from the dead. Let me pose another question. What would you think about serving a dead Savior? Would you want to be baptized into the name of a dead Savior? Can you conceive of responding to such an invitation? Jesus is dead, but would you like to follow him? God, it says here, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We can prepare to enter into heaven by making our exit out of sin because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we can be born again. Now, look at this phrase, to a living hope. What would a dead hope mean to you? I think the motivational value would be lost. If hope is dead, there is no hope, no motive, nothing. Peter is saying, when we are born again out of sin into God's family through Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead, the hope that we have is as alive as the Savior we responded to. The hope we have is as alive as the Savior we now serve. But here's another part of that. God's great mercy is behind it all. When God's people get to heaven, I don't think the song will be, look at us, we made it. Look at what we did. I think it will sound more like God's mercy made this possible through Jesus Christ. I want us to see that heaven in this passage is an inheritance. And that syncs up perfectly with God's mercy. Suppose you inherit a gift or an estate worth 
several million dollars. When you receive that, do you congratulate yourself for all that you've done? Do you claim that you deserved such consideration? Just the words inheritance and gift and mercy are powerful here. We will not arrive through the gates of heaven asking for pay for what we've done. It will not be payday. It will be gift day, mercy day, mercy that we receive when we respond to Christ and are born into the family of God. Here's something like what we will say when we arrive in heaven. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy enabled us to be born again and to have this eternal home. Then there are these very transparent descriptions here. <coughs> Imperishable. That means not subject to decay. The promise of heaven has no expiration date. God's people can hold to this promise as much now as when they first learned it. It is not subject to decay. It is undefiled. There's not anything about it that is defiled. This promise and heaven itself cannot be corrupted by man. It is free from any possible contamination. It is unfading. This inheritance loses nothing which first gave it brilliance or beauty. It is constant in its superb quality never diminished or dimmed. In this life we are disconcerted by the fading of the luster of things that once were so beautiful. The beauty of the skin of a baby with age wrinkles and hardens later, losing its beauty. A, a flower upon first blossoming and coming up through the earth, its brilliance and beauty fades under the heat of the sun. Not so with the inheritance that Christians are to receive. Unfading. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had the experience of arriving at an airport or a hotel... And you were told, sorry, we can't find your reservation. Human error, computer glitch. You arrive at the airport or hotel and perhaps you even have a reservation number or an account, but they can't find it. I'm sorry, Mr. Berkeley, we can't find any reservation under your name. Maybe they go so far as to say, we don't even really know if you exist. Peter says that heaven is reserved for God's people. God's computer has no glitches. 
God's memory is perfect. God doesn't lose reservations. This is a living hope. It is sure and steadfast, an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. Now, how does God help me arrive there? May I revise the question. Who does God help get to heaven? Whose reservation is secured and guarded? Verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, what's my part in all this? What must my response be to this promise? Faith that is active. And it says here, through faith I'm guarded. My part in this is faith that is active. And this says, through that faith, I'm guarded. That means we believe God is faithful to keep His promise. We live according to Christ every day. And it means our trust in Him is active. And we look forward, therefore, to a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What do we do before we get to heaven? We sing the song when we all get to heaven. What do we do before we get there? In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is joy that occupies our mind before we get there. But it's joy even in trials accompanied by active faith. It is joy even though we are grieved by various trials accompanied by and guarded by an active faith. All our trials are temporary. All our trials are temporary. Do you ever say about some difficulty that you're going through? This will never go away. And do we ever report about somebody who has a disease or an illness and we say, it is terminal. 
It is not terminal. There's something after death. And if you're guarded by the activity of your faith in Christ, what's after death you rejoice about now, even though you do not see Him, you love Him, and you live for Him. Even if you're tested by fire, that fire will be extinguished and God's people will live on in the presence of glory and honor. We cannot see Jesus now. We will see him then. And Peter says, until then, we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of our faith the salvation of our souls. I want you to listen one more time and then I'll close. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. C.S. Lewis wrote this. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for God and for the present world were those who thought most of the next life. If you will fix the eyes of your heart on heaven, if you will anchor your souls in this hope, if you will trust and obey Christ to get you there, you will be effective here. And then you'll live in the presence of God there. I don't know what you're going through in your present existence. It may be a health concern, perhaps a conflict that just doesn't ever seem to go away. Whatever tragedy, whatever trouble, whatever nags at you that you cannot change, stress, pain, frustration, there will be a time... There will be a place where all that will go away. 
if you'll trust and obey Christ now. Heaven holds all to God's people. So if you're not a part of that number, if you recognize who God is and the Bible is His Word and Jesus is His Son, sin is the problem, Christ is the solution, hearing the gospel, believing in Christ, confessing your sin, being baptized and then living faithfully will give you the hope that we've studied about in 1 Peter 1 today. Will you come while we stand together to sing?